Look at someone and say, I serve a big God. I don't care how big your problem may be. The God we serve is even bigger. Give God a praise for the choir, Sister Tracy. Amen, amen. God bless you. As we remain standing for the reading of God's holy word, and as we enter into this second message of this third series for this year of supernatural revelation, this year of 2016, and year of supernatural revelation. Our first series of the year was entitled A Prophetic Word. Twelve messages from the Old Testament prophets. Second message, second series of the, of the year was entitled A Right Now Word. Twelve messages from the parables that are recorded in the Gospels. And now this final series for the year 2016 is entitled An Encouraging Word. An encouraging word. Twelve messages from the writings of the Psalms. This is the second of twelve messages. We invite you to the iconic text. Perhaps the text of all texts in the Bible. The 23rd Psalm. Reading from the New King James Version. Reading it in its entirety. Beginning at verse 1. Psalms. 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Say that again so the enemy can hear it. As I walk through, somebody shout through, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over, overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the church that loves God's word said amen. Before you sit down, catch someone by the hand. Here is the second message in the series that is entitled An Encouraging Word. Psalms 23. Here is the subject for today's message. Squeeze those hands and look at someone and say, The Lord, our shepherd. Let's tell them again. The Lord, our shepherd. Clap those hands, everybody, as you may take your seat. The Lord, our shepherd. The Lord, our shepherd. Throughout the Bible, there are 
several powerful metaphors that are used to describe what is the unique nature of the Lord our God. It has always been a difficult task to try to put in words the nature of God. And it is even harder to try to define just in regular words. Our, our vocabulary is not always efficient enough to describe the nature of the God we serve. So much so, some of the most brilliant biblical authors throughout the pages of Holy Scripture used metaphors to describe the nature of God, thinking that a picture sometimes is worth a thousand words. They kept it simple. They used metaphors that people of that day could identify with. And even today, we still can identify with some of these examples, such as when King Solomon writes, he is a lily of the valley. Anybody know that the God you serve is a lily of the valley? In other words, a lily in a valley stands out. The most appropriate translation puts it this way. He is a lily in a desert. I mean, among all the cactuses, among all the dried up things, somehow there's a fresh lily in the midst of a dry place. And the church said, amen. Solomon goes on to say, he is the rose of Sharon. Not only is he a lily, but he's like a beautiful rose, the rose of Sharon. Then he goes on, not Solomon, but one of the Old Testament prophets said this. I told the church earlier this morning, Mother Jackson, those of you who've been around for a while will recognize this because the late Bishop Amos Jackson from Campobello, South Carolina, had one song he sang, Dicka Lumpkin. And everywhere he went, we always asked him, Al, would you sing this song? Those of you who have been around for a while, you know what I'm talking about. Bishop would get up and say, he's sweeter than honey in a rock. Anybody know that he's sweeter than honey in a rock? That described the nature of God. And then the Old Testament writers came along with their own examples and they would write and say things like he is the bread of life he is the light of the world trying to just capture in a metaphor the nature of the God they serve however my brothers and sisters perhaps the most familiar of them all is found in our text scripture for this week. Text that was written by King David, in which David simply and profoundly declares that the God he served is my shepherd. He writes, the Lord is my shepherd. 
Now, each one of the writers who used a metaphor to describe God chose something that was dear to them. And so it is with this text and with this biblical author, this psalm, Psalms 23, in which we, we all are familiar with it. We grew up quoting this psalm. There are people who don't know any other Bible verse can somehow get through Psalms 23. Amen. It is perhaps the most preached biblical text on funerals and homegoing service. In fact, it is often referred to as, quote, the royal psalm. It is the psalm of psalm. Of all of the 150 psalms, I would say that this is arguably the most popular and these, the most familiar. Uh, nothing in the Bible compares to this unless you look at the Lord's Prayer or John 3.16. But this psalm, Psalm 23, is special. It is widely read. It, it refers to the mighty presence of God. It expresses the assurance of God's presence and God's provisions in the most un uncertain time and adverse condition. During uncertainty and adversity, this psalm comes to mind. In fact, after the 8 o'clock, one of our brothers texted me on his way home, our brother Sean Glover, one of our 8 o'clock members, and said, Pastor, thank you for this psalm because when my grandmother was dying, this was the last scripture reference that she requested of me. And I shared it with her on her dying bed. The Lord is my shepherd. God knows how to send us an encouraging word during the most difficult times of our lives. Amen. Times in which we feel as if our backs are against the wall and the whole world has perhaps forgotten about us. God knows how to drop a word of revelation, in fact, of supernatural revelation in our spirit. And so is the case with this psalm. And really, to understand this psalm and the others that are written by David, we must first understand David's testimony. Because David was a biblical writer, was a songwriter, was a worship leader, eventually became king of Israel. But he had a testimony. And most of his writings were based on his own testimony. You cannot have a testimony with not having a test. Every testimony comes with a test. Amen. It amazes me how folk want the testimony, but they don't want the test. How many of you are so glad you had the test that developed into a testimony? And so David writes this psalm based on his own personal experience as a shepherd, as well as his own testimony of what the Lord had done for him throughout his life. When no one else had confidence in him, when other folk wrote him off, when Folk thought he was not even worthy to be in the presence of God. God had a plan 
for his life. Am I preaching to anybody? Because there's some Davids in here that folk gave up on you. There's some folk in here that your enemies came upon you to destroy you, but God had a plan. And what you don't always realize was that your test is so necessary so that God can perfect your testimony. If you have never been through anything, how would you ever know that God is a healer? How would you ever know that God can restore a broken heart? I need to preach to some real folk who embrace your test because you knew something good was coming after this. Can I get a witness? Don't fool me now, but can I just see those who went through your test that turned into a testimony and what the enemy meant for evil, God used it. Woo. Tell somebody God will use it to bless you. God will take other people's disrespect Woo. just to elevate you to a position beyond where they are. Don't tell me what God can do. When men write you off, when family members give up on you, just hold firm and praise God anyhow because God is perfecting your testimony. Look at somebody and say, something good is coming after this. Ooh, that's the fourth message of the series, Young Adult Sunday. Uh, Brother Brood and others called the morning after. How many of you had a blessing after you went through your worst experiences? Allow me for a moment to set this psalm up. In order to fully understand this psalm, you've got to first go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. You cannot understand any of David's writings without beginning at 1 Samuel chapter 16. Give me the homiletical liberty to give some context to what God is speaking of here today. David was a young man. David was the eighth son of Jesse. I'm going somewhere. David was the youngest son of Jesse. Jesse and his family lived in Bethlehem. Uh, David was considered even by his father to have been at that moment the, the least significant of all of his sons. So much so that he gave him what was then considered the job that nobody in the family wanted. And that was to take care of the sheep. Why? Because although sheep were meek, they were stink. And, and you had to leave them. And they were considered to have been dumb animals that you had to do everything for. And so as your status rose in the family, you got further and further away from the sheepfold. I'm going somewhere. And so we find 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, God said to the prophet Samuel, I am looking for a new king of Israel. 
because I have rejected King Saul. Why sit here and mourn for a rejected king? Samuel, get up and go to Bethlehem. Go to the house of Jesse. And there I have called the king out of my own heart. Samuel said, Lord, if I go, Saul will execute me. He said, well, take a sacrifice and let everybody else think you're going to make a sacrifice. But you know you're going to anoint the next king of Israel. Can I preach? Samuel arrives in Bethlehem, goes to Jesse's house, and confidentially says to Jesse that God has said out of your lineage, out of your house, the next king will come. Jesse was so proud. Jesse was elated and said, I've got seven sons. I want to lined up before you. And surely out of these seven, one of these got to be God's anointed. Whew, let me show you how God works. When other folk think you are an afterthought, God said, I had you in mind from the beginning. Look at somebody said, don't sleep on what God's going to do in somebody's life. So Samuel goes to Jesse's house. Jesse calls all seven of his sons, starting with Eliab and Abinadab, the second son, Shemera, the third son, and he lines all seven up. Samuel looks at Eliab and says, you look like a king. You're good looking. You're tall. You're handsome. You've got broad shoulders. You are charismatic. I don't need to go any further. Although Samuel was a prophet, he was not omniscient. He did not know everything. God told Samuel, Samuel, I have rejected this young man. He may look the part, but I don't choose based on looks. I feel like preaching. God wanted Samuel to know I don't go according to resumes. Uh, I don't go according to what other people think of you. Here's what God said in 1 Samuel chapter 16. He says, you look on the outward appearance, but I judge the heart. And so Samuel put the oil on Eliab, but the oil would not flow. I feel like preaching because a whole lot of you got the looks but you don't have the anointing. A whole lot of you got the appointment. But you don't have the anointing. And so Eliab, strike your name off the list. Abinadab, Come on, you're second in order of uh, seniority. Put your name off the list. He went down to seven sons. Uh, Samuel said to the Lord, I know you don't make mistakes. And I know you told me to come to Jesse's house. 
and he said to Jesse, is there anyone else? Jesse said, well, there is one more, but he cannot be the one. Note what Jesse says, for he is taking care of the sheep. He didn't even take a shower. I didn't even invite him in the house. He's out there on the sheepfold, taking care of the sheep. But what Jesse did not know, that God needed David to be taking care of the sheep because he perfected the slingshot. When a bear and a lion came to eat up the sheep, David defended the sheep. You think it's a disgrace, but God said it's a setup. Touch your neighbor and say, don't you be ashamed of whatever position God put you in. If God tells you to sweep the floor, sweep it the best you can. If God tells you to pick up paper, pick it up the best you can. What others do not know is what looks to be a discredit is a setup in the eyes of the Lord. Can I preach this? Touch your neighbor, say neighbor. It's a setup. Samuel says to Jesse, go get that young man. I know he didn't have time to wash up. I know he did not have a chance to put on his good clothes. But go get him because God says he's in your house. David walks in the house smelling like sheep, smelling like outdoors. Y'all know how outdoors smell. Sweaty, sticky, not knowing what's going on. Didn't even know why he was there. But Samuel got out the oil, put it on David's head, from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. The oil flowed. Touch your neighbor, say, neighbor, will the oil flow? I know you don't dress like other people, but thank God the oil flow. I know you don't drive what other people drive, but thank God the oil flow. I know you don't have a position like other folk, but thank God the oil. May I preach? Should I preach? Can I preach? Samuel put the oil on David. God said, this is my anointed. Now let me tell you, God had to do that because following chapter 16 is chapter 17, dealing with Goliath. David has already been anointed and yet his father still didn't respect him didn't even allow him to go to the battlefield. 
But if God gets ready to bless you, can't no devil in hell stop you. God knows how to put you in the right place at the right time. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, don't get mad. Give God a praise because God knows how to bless you, when to bless you. Sends David to the battlefield. You know the story. I need to set this up for the rest of the messages. Send David to the battlefield to carry lunch to the ones who had already been rejected. Let me say this so the devil can understand it. Although he had been anointed, David did not, did not brag on it. He did not flaunt his anointing. He knew if God anointed me, it must be for a reason. And so yet he took the lunch to the battlefield. He gets there and hear this giant of a man by the name of Goliath swearing, cursing, intimidating the people of God. David asked, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that talks against the Lord my God? Listen, saints, Eliab, touch somebody, say he's already been rejected. Still couldn't get over it. Hiding in a ditch with his cute self. That's what cute people do. They hide out when trouble comes. Eliab hiding in a ditch. Afraid of Goliath sees David coming and has the unmitigated goal to insult David while he hides out in a ditch. Says to David, who told you to come? Then he says to David in a condescending, insulting manner, where did you leave those little sheep? You're supposed to be taken care of. But what he did not know was that David had the anointing over his life. David said to Goliath, you come with all of your armor, with all of your weaponry, but I come in the name of the Lord, my God. David threw the stone. Goliath fell to the ground. David cuts his head off with his own sword. And now you understand the context of Psalms 23. And now David looks back over his life chip. And he reflects over how good God had been to him. He now sits in the palace, Ooh, king of Israel, and he thinks about where God has brought him from, what God had done in his life. And he picks up the pen and writes this encouraging word of praise. He says, I want you all to know that you see me now, but you ought to know my story. I haven't always lived this way. 
And the only reason I sit here today is that the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> Woo! I wish I had some sanctified folk who know that the Lord is my shepherd. David said, listen to my story. And in this one song, he identifies seven reasons why the Lord is his shepherd. And he said, I want you to know that I don't take credit for where I am now. First thing he says is that the Lord provides for me. How many of you know that he is a provider? David writes in Psalms 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Mm, I like the way uh, the Message Bible of the New Living Translation puts it this way. I have everything I need. I just want to make sure I'm in the right place. Touch the neighbor, say, has God provided all that you need? You may not have everything you want, but God will give you all that you need. He wakes you up every morning. Enough food to make it through the day. Enough clothes to make it through the week. Enough gas to get you to work, the church, and home again. Touch your neighbor. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. Anybody can praise God for the overflow, but can you praise God for the sufficiency? Can you praise God for just having enough for one more day? Where are my praises? Is there anybody in the house Every time you put your hand in the barrel, God makes a way out of nowhere. Tell your neighbor, I may not have much, but I've got everything I need. In fact, I don't need a whole lot to give God a praise. Don't fool with me. I'll praise God right now for what I have right now. I need somebody with just a little bit to give God a great big praise. Number one, David said, this is my testimony. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Number two, he guides me. Anybody know that the Lord guides me? David writes in verse number three, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake when I could not do right on my own when I didn't have sense enough 
to do the right things. My steps were ordered by the Lord. Is there anybody in the house that when you wanted to go left, God got it you right? When you wanted to stay doing wrong, God helped you to do the right thing. And the only reason you are up in church today is because God guided you here. When the devil tried to guide you in the wrong direction, God blocked what the devil intended for your demise. Tell somebody he guides me in pathways of righteousness. Whew. You don't do the right thing because you're just a good person all the time. Sometimes we do the right thing because the hand of God is on our life. Have you ever just wanted to hurt somebody? And God says, don't do it. I just, let me preach to some real folk in the balcony. You ever just felt like... <laughs> I know some of you, even when you're saved, don't, don't, don't you just feel like telling folk often? Using some of those fancy words you used to use when you were in the world, and folk push you to the limit, and you are this close to just jack-snapping somebody. And God said, don't do it. To those of you who have ever raised teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. You feel like jacking them up and just choking the life out of them. God leads you in the right path. Tell somebody, he guides my footsteps wherever I go. May I have time to preach this? We'll deal with this in more depth on Tuesday night. Point number three. David said, now I know something about this. The Lord protects me. Whew. As I walk, verse four, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know at least five occasions in which death thought he had David. From Goliath to Saul's javelin to Absalom's coup to other, to other experiences where David almost lost his life. You don't know how, God, how good God is until you've come this close to losing it all. Ooh. Songwriter said, I should have been dead, sleeping in my grave. But God made death. But anybody in here ever had any close encounters with death? Don't fool me. Accident, sickness, cancer, something you went through, and, and it could have been your last day. But God, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
Look at somebody and say, he protects me. Number four, the Lord comforts him. David was comforted by the Lord when he felt so bad. He felt so insecure. He felt like he just, nobody else was on his side. He writes, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here's what the message Bible says. It makes me feel secure. I I just need some folk who, who there were times in your life in which you didn't know what to do. But the presence of God made you feel secure in the midst of hell and high water. In the midst of about to lose everything, God made a way out of nowhere. And then number five, I love number five, that's found in verse five. Sometimes people will put you down. Sometimes people will try to humiliate you. Sometimes because you are not like they are or have everything they have, people will think of you as a nobody. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Have you ever felt like some people just didn't think you were good enough to be in their presence? You had some enemies that wouldn't even have lunch with you, wouldn't even eat a meal with you, wrote you off. You are a shepherd boy, said to David. You mind sheep. But when God is on your side, catch somebody by the hand and say, neighbor, God will exalt you. God will elevate you. God will promote you. God will give you your boss's job. God will make you your boss's boss. Preaching to somebody here today. Here's the way David puts it. You didn't want to eat with me, but this is what the Lord did. The Lord prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Those same enemies that tried to discredit and destroy you. God will elevate you right in the presence of your enemy. God will make you say to them, what do you think of me now? God will bless you so and put you in such a position that they will look at you and say, how did you ever get there? Somebody shout, God will exalt you in the presence of your enemy. Folk who thought you were nobodies, God will make you help them out. Folk who thought they could write you off, God said, I'll prepare a table for you in the very presence of your enemy. Look at number six. May I preach this? David said, you never would have done this, but the Lord anoints me. He says, you anoint my head with oil. I wasn't looking for a position. David said, I didn't even know what the king of Israel did. Had no idea. That's when God blesses you when you stop looking for stuff. 
Some of you are too busy networking and you ought to be praying. You are too busy thinking other people can help you get to the next level. And God says, they may appoint you, but what good is an appointment without an anointing? May I preach? David says, when I look back over my life at age 17 years old, you anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Tell somebody overflow. When God anoints you, get ready for the overflow. I need to prophesy in here. Somebody, God said before the year 2016 is over, you're going to enjoy an overflow. God says, I'm going to set you up where I will make blessings. I will just overflow it. I will bless you like I. Come on, somebody. Get ready for the over. Who am I preaching to? Tell your neighbor, neighbor, God's getting ready to anoint you for something great in your life. And then here's the last one. Seventh and the last one. Surely, mm, the Columbian the old Baptist preacher will grab his ear. In fact, my daddy will grab his ear and say, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Tell your neighbor the Lord will bless you with goodness and mercy. Stand to your feet. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, get ready for your blessings. God is about to bless you with goodness and mercies. It is of the Lord's mercy that you've not been consumed. His compassion fail not. Great is his faithfulness. Cross the aisles and shake somebody's hand and say, neighbor, when the Lord is your shepherd, get ready to be blessed with goodness and mercy. Everywhere you go, goodness and mercy will follow you. I said everywhere you, everywhere you go, tell your neighbor everywhere you go, everything you do, goodness and mercy will follow you. When folk knock you down, goodness will meet you on the ground. When folk try to walk on you, mercy will rub your head. I need some folk that know goodness and mercy are following me. Clap those hands. Let the church say yeah. Say yeah. Leave your seat and come here and stand at the altar and say, Lord, I thank you for goodness, mercy, protection, provision, comforting me, anointing me. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Here's the question that I leave you with as we conclude this message. Personal, individual, that only you could answer. Look at somebody and say, is he your shepherd? I know you come to church every Sunday, but that doesn't mean he's your shepherd. David had a relationship with the Lord, his God. He ends this wonderful psalm with these words of gratitude and commitment. The latter part of verse 6, he says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Whew. He wants to be your shepherd. God wants to protect you wants to provide for you, wants to guide you, God wants to exalt you, Whew. he wants to anoint you, he wants to bless you, but you have to allow him to be your shepherd. God is not going to force himself on any of us. Come right now, and maybe there's something in your life God told me to end this right now and spend these next few moments at this altar. Listen to this wonderful old song that Milton Brunson wrote a long time ago. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Look at somebody and say, I have everything I need. He lets me rest in the meadow's grass. He leads me beside the quiet streams. He restoreth. I need everybody who's been sick to hear this. Are those words on the screen? Listen to this. He restoreth my failing health. Mother Kelly. I know what the doctor says, but God has the final say-so. Come on, lift your hands and say, he restoreth my failing health. And he helps me to do what honors him the most. Yeah, 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 yeah. Woo. 
If I were you, I wouldn't leave in the next five minutes because I think God is about to do something in here. That's why I'm safe. Look at somebody and say, I'm safe. Not save, S-A-V-E, but S-A-F-E. I'm safe. The devil can't touch me. The devil cannot destroy my family. The devil can't have your joy. Tell somebody, that's why I'm safe. Safe in his arms. When the storms of life are raging and the billows roll, I'm glad he shall hide me safe in his arms. I'm so glad. Tell somebody so glad he shall hide me. Ooh, come on, Sister Francis and the choir. Uh, somebody else come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Lord <laughs> is my shepherd. Ooh. You're singing that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I have uh, everything I need. God needs 100 more people to be at this altar. God says, leave your seat right now. Come on. Come on. Your next blessing is through your obedience. God says, I need you to be at this altar right now. Right now. He restores my failing Yeah, 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 yeah. My health is failing. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm saved. That's why I'm saved. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm saved. Saint Francis, say it yeah. one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, have I have everything I need. That includes a new heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He lets me rest ah, yeah, in yeah. the meadows ah. ah. And he leads, he leads me. me beside Ooh. the quiet stream. Ah. He restores my failing health. My failing health. Ooh. Yeah, 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 yeah. It helps me to do, do. what honors him yeah, yeah. That's why I'm safe. Woo. That's why I'm so safe. <laughs> That's why I'm safe. I'm safe. One more time, Francis. I need somebody to know that the Lord is your shepherd. Come on, one more time. Listen, because. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Woo. 
<laughs> Thank you, baby. Yeah, sing it. Yeah. I have ah. Everything I need. Who is that for this morning? Who is that for? God said. He lets me rest. Yes, sir. In a meadow's grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gently leads me beside the plain. He restores my family. God is about to restore somebody's health right now. And he yeah, helps yeah. me yeah. to do what honors him the most. That's why I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why Woo! I'm saying. That's why. arms around somebody else's shoulders. The Lord, our shepherd, provides for us. Don't worry about how you're going to make ends meet. God will make a way somehow. The Lord, our shepherd, guides us. Whew. When we can't do right by ourselves, the Holy Spirit guides us. The Lord, our shepherd, protects us when our enemies try to destroy us. God lifts up a standard against them. 
Lord, our shepherd exalts us. <laughs> he elevates us in the presence of our enemies. He sets us up for success. The Lord, our shepherd, anoints us. <laughs> he anoints us for greatness. He anoints you because it is the anointing that destroyeth the yoke. The Lord, our shepherd, blesses us. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. Is he your shepherd? Ooh. If you're not sure, if you want to recommit your life to the Lord, if you want to make that decision today, and after we pray this prayer, join me at the altar and say, Pastor, if I die tonight, I need to die knowing that the Lord is my shepherd. Ooh. I don't care what anybody else says. I, I don't care what anybody else thinks. You don't have to be perfect for the Lord to be your shepherd. Surely David was not perfect. David committed murder, adultery, deception. All of those things were a part of David's testimony. But at the end of the day, he could declare, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you this day. You are the Lord God, our shepherd. And we say thank you. We need more than a come to church religion. We need a come to the altar religion. We need to commit ourselves to something greater than ourselves. We have figured it out that we cannot do it by ourselves. We cannot depend on anyone else to do it for us. But thank you, Lord, for being our shepherd. Thank you for being our protection, our provider, making ways out of no way. We say thank you. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, Put your arms around somebody. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. Ooh, he is our shepherd. If you're here today, come on. You don't have to go back the way you came. Come on. You want to make that decision today. Come on. Make your way to this altar. That's right. Thank you, young lady. Others are coming. Come stand right here. else wherever you are come on wherever you are walk down come on stand at this altar right
somebody. That's right. God's calling you, man. Someone else, he wants to be your shepherd. God wants to be your shepherd today. Wherever you are, God says, Come right now. God wants to be your shepherd. This can be your day.